Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you made Bible says we'll increase in faith and in favor. And I see your increase manifesting. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do my last session on managing the increase. Everybody say managing the increase. Matthew chapter 14. Today I want you to see something from verse 15. I've been teaching that for us to see increase, we must know how to manage the increase. Then there are five important things that, that are required to manage the increase. The first one is avoid waste. The second one is increase your capacity. Increase your capacity. The third one is be a planner or make a plan. Plan the year. Plan your increase. Plan for the increase. The fourth one is have a vision for your life. Today, I'm talking about the fifth one, and I'll, I'll tell you after we've read the scripture. It says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Let's read also John chapter 6 from verse 5. Same story, different accounts. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that this may eat? I want you to look at this story from different angles, different accounts. Matthew's account said, when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus. That means the 12. They came to Jesus. And they said, there's no way we can get food for these people. Where we are is very isolated. So send the people away so that they can go and get food to eat. They can go and buy food to eat. John's account said, Jesus looked at the people. Then he called Philip and said, Philip. Where can we get food for all these people that they may eat? Now, you'll be wondering which one is true and why two different people who were all with him. You see, these two people's account we are reading, they were all among the 12. Matthew was among the 12. John was among the 12. So they were all eyewitnesses to this miracle and they were testifying about this miracle. Hallelujah. And sometimes when you study the Bible, you can easily have the feeling that the Bible is confused or you don't even understand what it's saying. But when you look at it critically and you have understanding, you see that there's no confusion there. What happened was that the disciples came and spoke to Jesus because they were concerned. After they finished speaking and left, Jesus called one out of the twelve. In other words, this particular miracle, Jesus did not want to engage the 12 in the discourse concerning the solution. He wanted to talk to only one. And the Bible said he called Philip. Now, why did he call Philip? That is something that we need to look at. Number two, if Jesus had called somebody else, what would have been the outcome? For instance, if Jesus had called Judas, what would have been the outcome? So Jesus had 12 disciples he knew all of them enough, but for this specific crucial decision that he had to make, he needed to talk to someone. And the person that he decided to talk to was Philip. I believe that Jesus called Philip because when he comes to information, Philip was the most reliable. When it comes to crucial decisions, Jesus has studied all the disciples that have worked with him, and he has realized that when it comes to very major decisions, the best person he had to talk to was Philip. Because probably he has spoken to others sometimes when he wants to make a decision, and the outcome has been disastrous. And I want to say this year that who you talk to before you make a decision matters a lot. Sometimes you can... Talk to somebody about a decision you want to make, and the outcome is terrible. I can give you two examples in Scripture. The Bible said, when Solomon's son, is called Rehoboam, when he became king, he called the elders, 
who were advising his father. And he asked them, what advice do you give me? And they gave him an advice. They said, this is how your father ruled. He was very humble. He did things well, but he taxed the people too much. So reduce taxes and continue to remain humble and relate to the people well. And your kingdom will be great. The Bible said Rehoboam left the eldest and went to call his colleagues, the young men, and asked, what do you think would be the best way for me to rule? And they said, increase taxes. And don't mind all those people. I mean, rule very hard. And the Bible said Rehoboam decided to take the advice of the colleague young men. And the kingdom of Israel divided into two in the hands of Rehoboam. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It happened not in the days of Saul, not in the days of David, not in the days of Solomon. It happened in the days of Rehoboam. And Israel had two kingdoms until Jesus came. Yeah, I'll give you another example. One day Abraham woke up very depressed, very disturbed about the fact that he has no child. And he wanted encouragement. But his wife came and said, I got a solution to our problem. And Abraham said, let's hear it. And the wife said, let's have a child with Hagar. And the rest of the story you know. When after Isaac was born, Ishmael began to bully Isaac in the house. Because that decision to have a child with Hagar was not the will of God. Abraham by himself wouldn't have made such a decision, but who he spoke to. This year, a big question I want to ask this morning is, who do you talk to when you want to make decisions? Who do you talk to? Who is your Philip? And to answer that question well, you must be able to know how to discern truths. Today I'm talking about truths. Everybody say truths. Yeah, how do you discern truths? If you don't know how to discern truths, you can't tell who is helping you and who is destroying you. If you don't know how to discern truth, you can't tell how to make accurate decisions and helpful decisions. So what is truth? Truth is accurate information. Accurate information. It also means factual information. When they say something is true, it means it's factual. It means there is honesty and sincerity in it. It means the information uh, has been verified and proven to be reliable, accurate, and factual. In the law court, they will tell you beyond all reasonable doubt. So truth is any information about a person, an event, or a situation that has been verified to be reliable, accurate, and factual. Why is truth very important? Because number one, it creates trust. When you meet somebody that consistently has proven to be truthful. Everything he told you is true. You develop trust for the person. When, you, when you have consistently proven to someone that you are truthful, people get to trust you. Truth gives you credibility. Credibility. Credibility means value. Credibility means you are predisposed to receiving more. When you have credibility, it means people can entrust valuable sources into your hands and be confident that that particular thing is safe. Anytime you go to the bank and they ask, you want a loan and they say, bring collateral, they are simply telling you, we can't trust you. We can't trust that you pay the money. If you have credibility with the bank, they don't need your collateral. In other words, when you are truthful and you have integrity, it increases your value. You know, the word credibility is from a root word, Credit. And the word credit means income. That is why in accounting, when you receive money, they say they credit your account. When you lose money, they say they debit your account. So when they credit your account, it means that something has come in. Money has come in. Credibility means your doors are open to receive more. And that which gives you credibility is truth. The reason why Jesus called Philip is because Philip had earned the trust of Jesus Christ. And he had become the most credible person when it comes to valuable information to make decisions. Number three, truth is the key to knowledge. The key to knowledge. You can learn a lot, but if all you learned was a lie, you don't have any knowledge. If all you learned was a lie, you don't have knowledge. Look at this scripture. Very interesting. 2 Timothy 3, 7 said, Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of what? 
the truth. So this scripture is describing a particular crop of people. They are always studying. They are learning. But everything they learned was a lie. It's like going to study mathematics, and the person who's teaching the mathematics is a geography expert. He knows geography. He has PhD in geography. But they said there's no mathematics teacher. So go and teach. Find something to say. There will be learning going on. But because this man does not have the facts. So it's important who you are learning from. And sometimes we learn all the wrong things. Sometimes we learn all the wrong things when we're growing up. We're told all the lies about things. People have been indoctrinated and culturated with all the falsehood that are people grow up. When you listen to their philosophy, you can tell that somebody has messed up their thinking with information, but it's not factual. Truth is the key to knowledge. The last one, most important, truth enhances right decision making. Jesus realized that I am about to make a very crucial decision to bring a miracle. If I talk to the wrong person, everything is going to be messed up. And this year, I want you to know you can talk to people and make all the wrong decisions. You can talk to somebody about a business you want to start, and that business will never be. You can talk to somebody about someone that is a very good person that you want to marry, and that marriage will never happen. You can talk to people about important decisions. You can tell somebody, you know, I have this problem with my spouse, and uh, I don't know what to do. What do you think? And the person will say, pack your things and leave. Praise God. May the Lord deliver somebody. Satan's agenda is to rule the world through deception. The first day Satan showed up in Scripture, he came with a lie in the Garden of Eden. Jesus called him the liar and the father of lies. Can we read that in John chapter 8, 44? He said, you are of your father, the devil. He wasn't talking to Christians. He was talking to the Pharisees. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. This scripture suggests that liars are dangerous people because there is no truth in him. We can even define a liar from here. A person in whom there is no truth. I'll come back to this scripture when we define who a liar is. Amen? When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. In other words, he fabricates the lies. He fabricates the lies. He produces the deception and then spread it out. Publish it. For he is a liar and the father. The word father there in the Greek word, it means the source. The source. The Greek word Abba, it means father. It also means source, in other, the originator. All lies originated from Satan. But the most dangerous one is Revelation 12 verse 9. Revelation 12 verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that old, that serpent of old, called devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The Bible said, a creature called the dragon, an old serpent. Why did they call it old serpent? Because he showed up as a new serpent in the Garden of Eden and spoke to Eve. And since then, he's been around. Yeah, and he's still around up to today. And the Bible said his name was devil and Satan, and his work is what? He deceives the whole world. So our world today is in a crossfire of deception in direct confrontation with truth. Why is Satan so active about keeping the world in deception? Because what you perceive to be the truth determines the decisions you make. What you value as the truth determines the decisions you make. So Satan knows that if he can sell the lies out there and people buy it, then they can make decisions based on the lies and be absolutely destroyed. And the reason why our world is where it is today is because Satan is always working around the clock to manufacture deception and lies and publish it around. Today, families have made decisions based on a lie. You know, nations have made decisions based on a lie. You know, I have read about families whose history have been totally changed 
In fact, because one person decided that the way the truth about our family is not good, let's change it. You know, and people are born to come and believe something they thought was the actual truth about their family, but it's totally a lie. You know, the histories of nations are being changed. The key truths about our society today are being changed. Recently, there was a research that was conducted, you know, by scientists who have been able to come out that it is a complete lie that a human being born to be a male will have female genetic coding. That is a complete lie. But you know what? Since the LGBTQ movement came, one of the things that they used to influence and deceive people, and, you know, they were paying money on all the media houses to just spread this lie that some people are born male, but they have female hormones and female constitution. So it's okay if you are a man and you feel like marrying a man, it's okay. You know, I want to show you a scripture in Matthew 28 to clarify my point. Matthew 28 verse 11. Now while they were going, everybody will need to read this. Some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. This scripture is talking about the resurrection. When Jesus rose, we all know the story. The earthquake, the angel, roll away the stone. Jesus rose because they said Jesus had said before he died that he was going to resurrect. So they put a heavy stone that no human being can move at the tomb and put the signet of Pilate on it. That nobody should touch that stone. Anybody touch it and then they put guards, armed guards by the tomb to make sure the resurrection does not happen. And yet, it happened. So when... Jesus rose by that miracle. The soldiers went to the chief priests and told them what happened. Let's see what they did. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they discussed. So what do we do with this? Then they made a decision. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. 15. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You see, somebody can decide to spread, to fabricate a particular thing about you and present it in such a convincing way. And if the person has money, to push people, to validate that information. You see, you can completely be destroyed. The Bible said the elders and the chief priests in Israel, they called the soldiers. They said, don't go and see what happened. Don't go and see he rose. Don't go and see there was an earthquake. Don't go and see an angel appeared and rolled away the stone. Don't say that, but take money. And please, the money they took probably might be a lot. Because money is powerful. Yeah. That's why not everything you hear in the news is the whole truth. Media houses can say anything if money is talking. You know, I was listening to the late ex-president Jimmy Carter. He was being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah asked him, so what do you miss most in the White House? He said, what I miss most in the White House is not knowing the real truth about all the news that is on TV. Praise God. Oprah said, what do you mean? He said, oh, but we decide what goes out there. So this is what has happened, but we can't present it this way. So let's take this one out, take this one out, let this one go, add this to it, and present. I'm not saying every news item is a lie. I'm saying some of them have been massaged. And the sad one is you hear a statement like a credible media house. That means that media house verifies information well before they put it out. You know, there are media houses that are eager to spread news. So they spread rumor. That's why it's not a good thing for you to be a Christian and patronize rumor stations and patronize rumor information. Amen. That is why it's important that not everything people forward to you, you share. There is something called fact check. Your level of maturity is determined by how willing you are to check out information. Because what you are sending about that man may be a lie, and you are adding 
to destroying the man. Because, oh, I heard it in the hair salon. Oh, I heard it in Trotro. People were saying it. Oh, I heard it in uh, the FM station. And, uh, you know, so-so and so said it in the FM station. How sure are you that it's true? They paid the guards and said, go and tell the people. In verse 6, the Bible said that they went out and did exactly what the chief priest told them to do. They began to spread the rumor. Now, if you know a little bit about a Roman history, if a Roman soldier and you experience a prisoner escape, like they put you on guard, you know, that is why when Paul and Silas, they were praising God and there was an earthquake and the prison doors opened and the chains were broken, the guard who thought the prisoner had escaped, he took his sword and he wanted to kill himself. You know why? Because the punishment for experiencing a prisoner escape is death. Now, these chief priests were telling the guards that you go and say to the governor that his disciples came and stole him away, but we will bribe the governor too so that you will not be killed. And today, it's very, very important for us to understand that when people have money and Sometimes somebody may not have money, but he has the connections and he can talk. You know, there are people who are gifted with the ability to fabricate lies, to destroy people. And you need to be aware when you hear things, either about somebody or about something, you need to be aware because the decisions you make about your spouse depend on what you hear. The decisions you make about your friends depends on what you hear. The decisions you make about everything you are doing in life depends on what you hear. And if what you heard is a lie, then you are going to make all the wrong decisions. And today I know people hate others because of a lie. I know people who fear some people because of a lie. I know people who avoid some particular places because of a lie. I remember in, in 1990, there was a war called the Gulf War. And the Gulf War came about because Iraq invaded Kuwait. And the United Nations said it's a violation of the sovereignty of, of the rights of a sovereign state. Iraq should withdraw, and they refused. So America and uh, Britain and France attacked Iraq. Very legitimate thing. But you see, in 2003, another president called George Bush Jr., because his father was the one who was president during the first Gulf War, he also decided to attack Iraq. But do you know why the second Gulf War happened? Do you know why George Bush decided to attack Iraq? Because they said they had received intelligence information that Saddam Hussein was manufacturing chemical weapons and that there is a great volume of very destructive chemical weapons that can destroy the whole world. And they asked Saddam Hussein to open up his uh, country for international investigation. And Saddam Hussein said, no, this is my country. Nobody comes in. So America went to war against Iraq. Gulf War, 2003. They conquered Iraq, searched the whole country. They didn't find any chemical weapon. In other words, all the intelligence information they received was all lies. You know how much money it costs to go to such war? It was all a waste. In politics, there's something called propaganda. Propaganda simply means ability to manufacture lies, to deceive the public, to believe that a political opponent is bad and my party is the best. And sometimes when you don't know these things, you hear things, you make decisions on them. People have lived all their lives and died without knowing what they believed was a lie. People have lived all their lives and a few years before they died, they got to find out everything they believed about a particular person was all lies. And today I pray that the Spirit of God will help you, that you will not live the rest of your life in deception. In the name of Jesus. Now, what does Scripture say about truth? Matthew 5, verse 34. Jesus said, but I say unto you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Not by the earth, for it is his footstool. Not by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. Jesus said, don't swear to prove 
that you are truthful. I mean, be careful. People swear too much. Every little thing I swear. Jesus said, truth stands. Let me say that again. Truth, it stands. You know, there's an adage that a lie can take the lead many miles. But when truth takes off, it overtakes the lie. Look, it's only a matter of time. Truth will always stand. Jesus said, speak the truth and leave God to vindicate you. Speak the truth and let God vindicate you. Anytime you find yourself in a conspiracy, people fabricate lies against you, the only prayer you pray is, God, vindicate me. Vindicate me. Because if somebody doesn't believe you, your swearing will make him believe you. If somebody doubts you, he will doubt you. You can swear. You can somersault. Jesus said, if your answer is yes, make sure that when they go and verify, it should be yes. If your answer is no, make sure when the people verify, the answer should be what? No. And leave it there. Whoever decides to believe you should believe you. Whoever won't believe you, leave him. God will vindicate you. The truth about everything will come out. Because God does not endorse falsehood. You know, one of the greatest sins that God punishes most is slander. In fact, it was part of the Ten Commandments. He said, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you are a Christian and all you want to do is destroy people with your tongue, it shows what kind of spirit you have. It shows what kind of spirit you have. Of course, it's not, it couldn't be the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God doesn't destroy people. Yeah, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Because listen, the most important asset to any individual is his reputation. Is his what? The Bible said in Proverbs 22 verse 1, a good name is what? Better than riches. So when somebody is destroying your name, he's destroying your wealth. And anytime you see people begin to fabricate false information to destroy, you see, they are attacking your prosperity. That is why people sue for defamation because reputation is hard to earn. And some people can't stand seeing another person get up and just open his mouth and say silly things to destroy your hard-earned reputation. But I think that there's a better way to handle slander than going to court and suing for defamation. Appeal to God for vengeance. Appeal to God. Vengeance belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to God. Because when you see people and they have money, they will still bribe their way out. You can't bribe God. Truth will stand. God will vindicate you. Number two, it's important for all of us as Christians to know God wants us to speak the truth always. Colossians 3 verse 9. He said, do not lie one to another. <laughs> Since you have put up the old man with his deeds. Ephesians 4 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of our another. When you love people truly, one of the ways you express your love is tell them the truth. That's why if you're in a relationship with somebody and lying to you, break up with the person. Nobody loves you enough to lie to you. Break up with liars. Don't marry a liar. It's dangerous. Liars are treacherous. They will stab you in the back. They will betray you. They will disappoint you. See, the fact that the person is a liar tells you that even when he says, I love you, probably it's not true. Oh, it's not true. If somebody doesn't love you enough to be honest to you, to tell you the truth about who he is, where he's coming from, where are the parents, he's lying about everything, he has children, he tells you, I don't have any child, he's married before, he said, uh, you know, since I was born, I don't have anything to do with any lady. That's a dangerous person to be hanging around with because you just want to get married. That is a dangerous thing. He said, putting away lies. The most serious one that God hates liars. Thank you never telling God hates liars. The reason why Ananias and Sapphira died is because God hates lying. And sometimes people can lie and carry it right to church and insult the intelligence of a man of God. People stand right before a man of God and just lie. You know, anytime you lie to a man of God, you know what you are saying. You are telling you don't believe he's anointed. Sometimes people are talking to him and asking myself, so this guy, he thinks I'm a small boy. Sometimes I ask, I say, ah, so this guy, what, what does he think of me? I think he thinks I'm stupid. I hear people talk and I say, ah, this guy thinks I'm a fool. So even a baby, if you tell this, he will know it's a lie. 
But they tell me. Yeah, let's read Proverbs 6, 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes. Seven are an abomination to him. What are the six things? Number one, pride. Number two, lying. Let's leave the rest for another day. Six things the Lord hates. Number two, lies. And God said, let me kill Ananias and Sapphira to deter others from lying. I didn't think it solved any problem. I didn't think so. How did Peter knew he lied? Because the Holy Ghost told him. I tell people all the time, I said, there's a, there's a realm you get to. It's difficult for you to meddle with deception. I mean, eventually you'll get to know. Sometimes people talk to me, I believe it, until later my spirit tells me, this is not right. This is not true. People have given me prophecies that it's all lies. Lies. People have come to tell me visions, lies. People have come to tell me, Pastor, I had a dream, it's all lies. No, it's lies. Be careful with people all the time. I saw a vision, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're not playing around here with a spirit. Are you hearing me? Yeah. One day a young man came to me in the office there. He said, I saw a vision. I was talking about, I was just looking at and lying. In fact, and laughing. I, I, I said, today I'm in a very good mood. Because he's my own son I brought up. I don't understand why he did that. But the Holy Ghost told me who made him do it. The Holy Ghost told me who made, made him do it. Up to today, I've never told him before that I knew he lied. The right time will come. Yeah, sometimes people can remotely manipulate you by using somebody to prophesy to you, which is not true. That's why I'm teaching this today. Because people have made decisions, you know. Sometimes people call me and said, this person is doing this, but I don't want you to know. I told you so. I want you to do it as if you are prophesying and tell the person, I don't do that. I cannot lie in the name of God, standing on the pulpit and say, the Lord showed me. When you do that, you are a man of God. Pastors, you hear me? The same person who told you the thing, he was in the, in the church when you were saying the Lord told you, and he knows you were lying. The same person one day will go and tell people, oh, don't mind that guy, he's a liar. You don't know what church members can do. He's the same person who will go and tell people, oh, that's not kind of, nah, I'm not kind Hallelujah. If it's true, let's sit down and talk about it. Let me call the person and question him. And if possible, mention your name that you said it. Why are you afraid of hiding, running away from the truth? Speak the truth always. It gives you credibility. Speaking the truth always. It gives you trust. It earns you trust. See, listen, trust is earned. I expect people to trust. Don't be angry with somebody say, I don't trust you. It means you have not earned the trust. You cannot be lying every day and expect people to trust you. Your boss doesn't trust you. You haven't earned it. One of the ways to end trust is your integrity. If your spouse doesn't trust you, you, did, you haven't earned it. You haven't earned that your trust. Your friend doesn't trust you. You haven't earned it. Speaking the truth helps you to, to earn trust. And it gives you credibility. Now, however, the same scripture that says we should tell the truth gives a caveat. This is where serious reasoning is beginning in my message. The same scripture that says we should tell the truth says that when truth is sensitive, it must be communicated with discretion. Everybody say discretion. I'll explain it. Ephesians 4.15, it says, speaking the truth in love. Speaking, it says, but speaking the truth in love, you will grow up in all things into him who is the head. That means if you don't know how to speak the truth in love, you will not grow. That means the Bible wants us as Christians to speak the truth, but the context in which we speak truth should be what? Love. So it means that when the truth is sensitive, love must guide the way you dispense the truth. Now, truth is sensitive, number one, if it is bad news. Bad news. Please, do you understand what I mean by bad news? You can't call somebody on the phone and say, hello, how are you? Uh, yeah, I wanted to tell you, your father has died. You know, you lack what we call in, in linguistics communicative competence. You lack it completely. You're not going to look at someone in the face and say, ah, you have cancer. You see, that statement alone will kill the person long before cancer will come and kill him. You know, sometimes you have to withhold the truth until the right time. Yeah, a member died. The children were not told immediately. They said, want to go and visit daddy at the hospital. We kept telling them, we will take you there later. We were not lying, but it's sensitive. We had to prepare them. Yeah, we had to prepare them. A friend of mine lost their wife. He was away. He said, how is she? I said, oh, it's, it's serious, but we are still praying. You want to try and come because he wasn't around. I want him to arrive before. You don't break news to people anyhow. How the person will even drive from where he is and come. 
He could even die on the road, depending on the relationship. Hallelujah. He don't just say, oh, me, I, I speak the truth the way it is. free. <laughs> you know? Sometimes you hear people who are so hypocritic. Me, I don't like lying, no. I don't like lying. When it happens, we say it as it is. Number two, when you are talking to your superiors, you have to exercise discretion. You can't look at your superior and say, I think what you are saying is a lie. You tell him what you are saying is not true. The two mean the same thing. One will keep you your job. The other one will get you fired. When you are talking to people you respect, you speak the truth in the most prudent way. Prudence with discretion. Hallelujah. Yeah. One day somebody asked me, did you see my wife in the program? I said, yes. Who was she with? I said, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. If you have issues with your wife, don't involve me. I, I can't remember. I said, there were many people. I can't remember who she was with. But I saw who she was with. But if I say it, I am not speaking the truth in love. I am going to spark because I know how he hates to see his wife with that person. So don't involve me in your fight. I can't remember. You know, somebody called me before, a church member. He said, a colleague has left a job. He confided in me. I'm his closest friend. And my boss says I should tell him his whereabouts. I said, don't say it. Tell him you don't know his whereabouts. Because if you say it, it amounts to conniving. The first question is, you knew your friend, your colleague is leaving. You didn't alert management. You could get fired. Number two, your friend confided in you. He trusts you. You are betraying trust if you go and say it. So you are, in the, you, are, you are caught in the middle. I said, hey, don't go and tell about, you know, I know where he is, but because I want to show loyalty to my friend and because he confided in me, if I tell you, um, you know, I have betrayed my friend. So please, we all do respect. I cannot tell you. That's the last day you work there. So go to the office, tell your boss, well, I don't know his whereabouts. I know you have questions. I'm going to answer all your questions. The third one, when safety cannot be guaranteed, you don't speak truth when safety cannot be guaranteed. If somebody enters my house with a gun, we are looking for Pastor Hubert. We were sent, we sent after him. What will you say with AK-47 facing you? You say, you know, the Bible says we should tell the truth. I'll give you two scriptures. I won't tell you what I will say. After we read the two scriptures, you make your own decision. Hallelujah. Now, 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. I love the Bible, you know. When you study the Bible, you just become wiser. You become brilliant and intelligent. After today, your life will never be the same again. I'm telling you. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from being, from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me myself a king among his sons. Saul was king. God said, I don't want him anymore. Samuel, you are the man of God. Go to Jesse's house. Anoint David as king. When Saul was still on the throne, that is mutiny. That is suicide. Samuel was a prophet too. A man of God. That's why I chose these people deliberately to explain something to you. Look at what Samuel said. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. This suicide mission. Someone said, God, with all due respect, I won't go. I don't want to die now. I won't go. <laughs> what did God tell Samuel? Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. God said to Samuel, for you to remain alive, go as if you are going to perform a sacrifice. And when the elders ask you, tell them you came by the leading of the Lord to perform a sacrifice. Was God teaching Samuel to be a liar? No, 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 no. Think about it. The Bible said God is not a man to lie. He doesn't lie. Are you thinking about this? Now, it is God who told Samuel, say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Why? Because his safety was at stake. You can call Samuel a liar. That's your opinion. I will soon bring us to that definition. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Um, Genesis 20. Genesis 20 from verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerah. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. Abraham said about Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerah sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. 
like dead. Because the woman whom you are taking for is she is a man's wife. Verse 4. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. The man who lied. The man who lied. God said he is a prophet. Restore his wife, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. In other words, your life is in Abraham's hands. He's a man of God. But because of your wickedness and how if you see beautiful ladies, you kill the men and take their wives, Abraham had to exercise discretion to decide whether to risk his life to tell the lie or reserve it. And sometimes truth needs to be withheld for the sake of discretion. It doesn't make an individual amount to a liar. God called him a prophet. He said, he will pray for you. So sometimes the person you are pointing finger to is a liar. Probably is the one whose prayer will save you. Be careful. If you don't understand everything, be careful how you talk about it. Especially if you are dealing with men of God. Be careful. The person may have reasons for withholding some information and letting out something because of discretion. I can't say everything, can I? Oh no, you don't want to hear certain things. I bet you there are things you don't want to hear. There are things I know you don't want to hear. Because if you hear you, you won't know what to do with your life. You don't want to hear everything. It's not everything a man of God should talk about. There are things I know about people I can't even tell their spouse. Because they confided in me. They confided in me. And if they stays with me till I die, that's it. That's life. You break the marriage when you talk about it. In the name of truth, you break somebody's marriage. You look at their life, those children, the outcome of the divorce, or even on the children alone, you won't want to talk about it. You pray for them, and they continue with their life. He will pray for you, but if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all who are yours. <laughs> so let's answer the big question. Who is a liar? A liar is someone who deceives people. A liar is not somebody who told a lie once for discretion's sake. A liar is someone on a consistent basis. He deceives people. You see, there are people, they lied into the marriage. They lied throughout the marriage. You understand? Because the day you tell the truth, it will contradict all the lies you have told. So you lied, and then you continue it throughout. You know, lie is something you have to remember it to reinforce it, to continue to validate it. A liar, when they say somebody is a liar, it means that there is no element of truth in anything he says. 99% of the time, everything he says is shrouded in deception. He always wants to mislead people. He always wants to deceive people. That's why our scripture is very important. John 8, 44. Jesus described who a liar is by using Satan as an illustration for us. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's a liar. A liar is someone you can't find any truth in him. Abraham wasn't lying every day. Samuel wasn't lying every day. It was just circumstantial that at that particular time, what God wanted him to do was divine. And yet it contradicts, you know, governance. Somebody cannot be head of state. You are now also swearing somebody in as a head of state. It doesn't happen. It's treason. So in that case, Samuel was instructed by God. So you need intelligence and understanding. Let's finish up with this. How do I design the truth? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. It says, the simple believes everything. I want to encourage you. Don't believe everything because you heard it. The simple believes every word. Mark chapter 4, 24. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Be careful. How do you know the difference between Philip and Judas? This is where it is. Number one, listen attentively. When people come to you to tell you sensitive information, number one is listen attentively. Number two, pray about what you heard. If you are a human being, you react as soon as you hear something, 
you are going to make terrible mistakes. There are people I don't have respect for because they always react and then they regret. Because you get to find out you heard a lie or you, you don't have all the facts. Don't react as soon as you hear things. Number three, ask questions. Ask the person questions. The person who is talking to you, ask him questions. Where did you hear this? In fact, most of the time when people tell me something, that was the first question I asked. Where did you hear it? Is it in Trotro or your hair salon or FM station or the internet? The internet is not a credible source of information. Every scholar will tell you when you do scholarly work. You can't just say, I saw this on the net. No. You quote your source, credible source. Ask questions. Number four, listen to your instincts. Sometimes when you are there and you, you hear something, the way you feel alone will tell you, this thing, there's something wrong somewhere. There's something wrong. Sometimes we shut down our instincts. We silence it. That inner voice. Listen to your instincts. Pray about what you heard. This thing, is it true? Ask the person questions. That's why if you, sometimes you listen to a very expert investigator. They will say, tell the story again. Tell your statement all over again. They want to write a second one and compare and see whether you changed some of the facts. That's why there's cross-examination in court. They want to verify your information. They ask you questions. All the lawyer is doing is thinking through your statements, looking at loopholes. And the judge is sitting down. He's going to make decisions based on everything he heard in the court. He must be able to be sure whether somebody is guilty or not. Number five, examine the motive. Why is this person saying this thing to you? Is it to win cheap favor from you? Then is it he may be wanting to destroy somebody? What is the motive? Why is this person telling me this? Is it because... Is a trusted person or he just wants to destroy somebody? Most of the time, if two people have misunderstanding and one person comes to tell me something, I don't take it serious. Can I say that again? If two people are good friends, they share secrets, they had misunderstanding, one person got up and came to me, I treat such information cautiously. It may be the truth, but the motive behind is vengeance. And sometimes when you go into it, you see that he himself was part of it. But because they have misunderstanding, He's taking himself out and coming to destroy the person to you. What is the reason why this person is telling me this thing? Is it because he wants to break my friendship with the other person? Or he wants favor? Or he wants money from you? Or he wants something? Or he wants you to trust him? And bring, you know, sometimes one of the ways people destroy you. Hello? Listen. I was reading a book. I was going to recommend everybody to buy. It's called Talking to Strangers. It's written by Malcolm Gladwell. His latest book, Talking to Strangers. And there's a lot of interesting t stories about everybody who wants to destroy will do is to first win your trust and bring you close to him. Because people know if they are not close to you, they cannot destroy you. So in order to destroy you, they want you to trust them and bring them close to yourself. And one of the ways they can make you trust them, to bring them close, they will come and be telling you things all the time. Oh, be careful with this person. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Then you say, oh, this guy is trusted. That's why I have problem with people who always want to hear things. Some of you, every time you want to hear people telling you things. Oh, what is the latest news? You set spies. Number six, verify the information by seeking empirical evidence. The last one, analyze the information to find logical consistency. What you are hearing and what is on the ground, do they correspond? There's something in philosophy called correspondence theory. What you heard and what is happening. Do they correspond? Is it logical? Let me just give you one example. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I heard something. A young man who left this church said he's the closest person to you. And another person has come to destroy him to me. So I said, ah, this statement, you are the closest person to me. And somebody who is not as close to me as you can destroy you to me. It means what you even said that you are the closest person to me is not true. Do you understand? Because the closest person to me cannot be destroyed to me by somebody who is far away. So it's not logically consistent. Yes, that's what I mean. So sometimes when you hear things, just sit down. Think through the thing. You realize that there is too much falsehood in the issue. And I said, ah, but this brother, he has misbehaved towards me several times when this same guy who they said destroyed him wasn't there. He has misbehaved towards and left the church twice when this so-called destroyer, was not even in the church. Then you misbehaved towards me again and left, and then you are saying, it is this brother, that's why you are leaving. You see? So when you analyze such facts, you see that the errors is too much. The questions are too much. So verify information. Where I come from, they said that you don't judge somebody by hearing only one side of the story. So verify information. 
empirical evidence means that whatever you hear about somebody, if you take your time to conduct your own observations, there will be enough evidences of that same thing in many other places. It replicates. That's what I mean. It replicates everywhere. Everywhere. Today, I pray over your life in the name of Jesus that wisdom will come to you from today. This year, I pray that by the wisdom and discretion, you will not make wrong decisions by listening to a lie. You will make the right decisions in the name of Jesus. I pray that God will bring your way, your Philip. And when God brings a Philip to you, you will identify them in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will not talk to strangers. You will not talk to liars. You will not listen to people whose advice will bring you into failure. In the name of Jesus. Any fabricators of falsehood that want to mess your decisions and mess your life up. Today I pray for you in the name of Jesus. That discretion and discernment will come upon you. In the name of Jesus. That you will discern the truth. All the time, wherever you are, may the Lord give you discernment in the name of Jesus. May the Lord give you discernment from today in Jesus' name. If somebody has implicated you in falsehood, people have fabricated lies to destroy you, I pray that the Lord will vindicate you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the Lord will vindicate you. May the Lord avenge you of the wickedness of men that conspire to destroy your reputation. May the Lord avenge you speedily. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.